0: For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. Welcome to Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything.
1: Hello, my name is Tim McMillan. Welcome to another episode of Inspiring Stories brought to you by Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Uh, my guest in this final episode for 2021 hails from Tucson, Arizona, uh, a kid who grew up uh, loving his sports, but really found his feet on the basketball court. Uh, he arrived in Perth uh, a few years ago now. Uh, I won't say a, a virtual unknown, but uh, perhaps not expecting uh, a a long stint here in Perth, but he's gone on to become, uh, well... I don't think there's any it can be any argument. The best recruit that the Perth Wildcats have ever made. We have just about run out of superlatives uh, to describe his performances on the court since he arrived back in 2017. He is a three-time NBL champion, uh, a three-time NBL MVP, twice a grand final MVP, and the list goes on and on. So it's with great pleasure I say hello and welcome to the one and only Bryce Cotton. Hello, Bryce. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. Um, let's start off with what's going on in your world at the moment. How are you? I know you you had a pretty significant injury at the end of last season, which we can maybe go into detail in just a moment, but how are you traveling at the moment?
2: Yeah, traveling pretty good. Obviously, the season's back around, uh, hitting the ground running, being pretty busy with that, so I'm excited, and above everything else, I'm just happy I'm out there on the floor playing again, and um, yeah, I just feel like uh, I'm getting back to myself, so I'm super happy.
1: How hard was it to get over that shocking injury that you had? I mean, it, it seemed to – I suppose you're used to, um, you know, classic kind of bone fractures or muscle strains, um, you know, when you're playing a sport like basketball. But a hematoma, a really nasty hematoma that you had, how did you cope with that? What's the recovery like from that?
2: Um, yeah, it was very different. You know, I kept hearing from the doctors my injury was such a freak accident, like yeah. a one in a million type thing and how it happened. But um, – I guess going into the surgery, yeah, that's what I kept hearing. You know, it's just a bad hematoma. We got to get the blood out. But once I uh, came to after the surgery, they told me like, yeah, it was a little bit messier of a surgery than we thought because there was more going on. So um, it was a shock, but at the same token, because it had already happened, I just tried to put in my mind, just got to worry about getting better and can't cry over spilled milk. (laughs) (laughs) That's one way to look at it. It Just remind us how it happened again. I mean, I, I get a bunch of corkies, uh every game, uh, yeah. but that game in particular, I got about three of them, and uh, two of them were in like the same exact spot, but yeah, I didn't really view it as anything out of the ordinary. Uh, we ended up playing, I think, 36 hours after that game, and I was in a little bit of pain. I was able to play through that, and the next day, when we were getting ready to take off to Adelaide, I was staying home that day. Uh, Because we had like three games in five days or something crazy like that Mm. and as I'm watching TV I just feel a twinge in my thigh and it had the sensations of a cramp and I just couldn't really move it And after about 30 minutes went by I was like wow this is a really long cramp never had one this long and after a while, I called the trainer, and he had me take a picture of my thigh, and it was like double the size of my other leg. So yeah. I was like, yeah, you need to go to the hospital. <laughs> and then lo and behold, that's when everything started to unfold.
1: Yeah. Uh, and, and so what did the doctors tell you after the surgery? That obviously fills you in on just how bad it was.
2: Yeah, they said it was messier than they expected it to be. It was, it was more than just the hematoma. Um, there was a couple like maybe a minor tear as well. Mm -hmm. In one of the parts of the quad, they said a bunch of fancy words. So a lot of stuff got lost in translation. (laughs) But, yeah, the moral of the story was, yeah, the they said if it was only the hematoma I was dealing with, I would have recovered a lot quicker, but I just had some other stuff going Mm -hmm. on. But luckily they got to it in time.
1: What was it like preparing for a new season, obviously recovering from that, but also you know, COVID lurking in the background, um, the prospect of just total upheaval and fixtures again. Is it hard to get yourself mentally right for a new season when you've got both of those things on your mind?
2: Uh, I mean, every season and every year brings new challenges. So you're kind of used to that, but uh, it was definitely different. COVID was probably the last thing on my mind because you kind of just accept it like this is the new norm for however long. But, you know, considering we had a new team, new coach, new management, new everything... Uh, And then I'm rehabbing, trying to get back right. Uh, That was just my biggest focus, just making Mm. sure, like, when we're going into this new direction, at least I want to make sure I can do everything I can to get back to being myself. So, um, yeah, I'm not really falling behind. Mm. I mentioned some
1: of the awards and accolades that have been thrown your way over the last few years. Do they weigh on you at all? Obviously, people have massive expectations of what you're going to do on the court.
2: Mm -hmm. Um, Is that in any way a burden to you? Um. Not, not in particular. Uh, sometimes it does, you know, get annoying, I guess, from people hearing, oh, you're this and you're that. And, you know, they place you, I guess, on a certain pedestal and kind of forget you're human. But I always remind myself um, this stage, I guess, that I'm at in my career is very brand new to me to where, I'm a quote unquote household name out here in Australia. Mm. Never had that growing up. I was always an underdog, a Mm. guy that flew under the radar and always had to prove people wrong. So from that aspect, it has some adjustments that I make. And um, I guess, yeah, when I hear too many compliments or too much praise, I just remind myself, like, don't forget how you started and don't lose that underdog mentality. Where does that humility come from? Comes from my upbringing, uh, raised by my mom, my grandma, my great grandmother in particular. So uh, they were very, uh, I guess, true southern folk, especially my grandma, and my great grandma, and they just rubbed off on me. Yeah, and me and my grand, we were thick as thieves. Uh, she was like a mother to me as well. So um, everything she taught and instilled in me, uh, I keep it. Mm. I keep it with me to this day.
1: Tell us what life was like as a youngster, some of your early memories growing up in in Tucson. Mm-hmm. I mean what sort of what sort of life did you guys lead? You mentioned you know living with your mum and your mm-hmm. and your grandmother, but you know what was life in Tucson like for you as a child?
2: Yeah, uh, I think uh, it was it was a lot of a lot of fun, you know, in the neighborhood. There was a lot of kids my age, so a lot of playing. We all loved sports. We played everything, you know, basketball, football. Whatever, even baseball. I got into baseball because my older brother liked that. Mm-hmm. But um, we always made do with what we had, and uh, there was a lot of there was a lot of love in our family. We didn't have a big family, we were, but we were very tight knit. And um, I think those are one of the things that I cherish—just uh, how tight knit we were. And um, coming from such a small city that not a lot of people know, you kind of take pride in that. Yeah. What about
1: getting out onto the basketball court? Do you have early memories of just spending hours and hours and hours just shooting hoops? And-
2: Absolutely. So, uh, we used to always go over to my grand- great grandmother's house. We pretty much lived there. Um, and there was a park right across the street. And uh, I'd just be there every day, all day, sun mm-hmm. up to sundown, mm-hmm. till the lights went out. And, you know, they'd have to yell from the alleyway, like, it's time to come home or you <laughs> need to eat. And, and so, uh, that's that's pretty much what molded me and had me truly fall in love with the game yeah. Because if there wasn't anybody at the park, I'm playing by myself all the time practicing uh, game situations in my mind and then when other people come even if it's kids older than me we play pickup at the park So yeah, I usually get there by myself Then I play when everybody's there like pickup or whatever 21 one-on-one and then when they leave, I'm still there until yeah. the lights go off.
1: First there and last to leave. Yeah. Um, playing other kids from the neighborhood, from school, just random games that might form. Everyone. You know, just yeah. spontaneously on the day there.
2: Absolutely. And, yeah. and it's yeah, it, it was so fun, man. There was nothing like it. And I remember I was speaking with uh, one of my teammates the other day. I was telling him I didn't really play in basketball gyms that much until, mm. uh, like, I was getting close to, like, high school. Other yeah, than that, right. like— all my, I guess, growing as a player happened at playgrounds, and Yeah, I loved it, playing in that hot sun. Yeah. What about your other
1: sports that you were into at the time? Was there ever, um, you know, competition between the sports to get your interest? Uh, as a kid, I don't know, your uncle, for instance, played in the NFL, mm-hmm.
2: which is pretty massive. <laughs> Was there ever a pull
1: for you to follow in those footsteps at
2: all? Uh, not a follow following his footsteps, but I, I did really love, uh, playing football as well. I liked baseball. Like I, I played everything. Yeah. Um, I mean, sports are, are big, obviously in America and especially in my mm. family, everybody played something, but, um, I would say outside of basketball, I really, really loved football as a kid early on. Yeah. So, uh, I had a lot of joy with that, uh, for the few years that I played But um, I ended up, like, getting sick and stuff like that. So I couldn't continue to play football, and I just ended up focusing on basketball and went from there.
1: We'll get that story in just a moment because it uh, it kind of revolves around this number 11 shirt that you wear as well. We'll take a break uh, and I'll get you to explain that story in some detail when we come back. This is Inspiring Stories. Wildcats legend Bryce Cotton is our special guest. Back with more in a moment.
0: You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. inspiring stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything.
1: Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. We are hearing the inspiring story of Bryce Cotton, uh, three-time NBL champion and and all the others that I mentioned at the start of the show. He's an absolute legend uh, in many people's uh, estimations, the best player uh, we may ever have seen uh, in the NBL. Um, Not to, uh, you know, pump you up (laughs) (laughs) anymore, Bryce, but let's go back to those humble days uh, in Tucson, Arizona. Um, You mentioned that, uh, you know, you love playing all sorts of sports, but basketball, um, it became a natural, obvious choice, didn't it, because of uh, well, health news that you, uh, that you realized at the age of nine. Mm-hmm. Um, tell, us, tell us what the circumstances there were.
2: Yeah. So um, I ended up, I guess, developing a rare form of epilepsy and it progressively had gotten stronger over the span of two years. But at the time, they didn't know exactly what it was, because I didn't fit any of the, I guess, typical symptoms, procedures. And, yeah, they basically wanted me to eliminate any sports that had any, I guess, high tendencies to where you can get blows to the head. Yeah. So baseball, they weren't, I guess they weren't too apprehensive on it, because it was very uncommon to get hit in the head, but I was kind of losing interest, and obviously the only thing left was basketball and football. Mm-hmm. So they were like, yeah, we we should definitely get rid of the football and like it, that, seem, that, it,
1: it seems obvious, doesn't
2: it? <laughs> yeah. Especially yeah, looking back at it. That was tough, but um, I remember, you know, my mom, she kind of just told me, well, you know, at least you still have basketball and um, which, which can involve a couple of knocks to the head
1: and all over the body at, at various points. Was it a, seen as a totally kind of risk-free option at the time?
2: I wouldn't say it was seen as risk-free, but obviously if you're picking the lesser of the two evils, mm. uh, it makes perfect it's sense to pick basketball. still the obvious choice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, we always look at things like, you know, the glass half full. So it's like, okay, yeah, I don't get to play football anymore. I love it, but I still get to play basketball. And the cool thing about it is, you know, when you practice with basketball, you don't necessarily need anybody around you. You could be at the gym by yourself or at the park by yourself. And uh, that's where my love with the game really just started to grow. And, you know, whatever emotions you have as a kid dealing with that, Mm. feeling like um, all the other kids around you are lucky because they're not dealing with what you have to deal with um, health-wise, it just became like a refuge for me. So uh, basketball really took off for me within the next few years after that.
1: So tell us why the number 11, which is the number on your Mm -hmm. Wildcats top, tell us why the number 11 is special.
2: So, at the time, when I was first, I guess, going to the hospital every few months or so, or every couple weeks, they had told my mom to prepare for the funeral, and I wouldn't make it past uh, sixth grade. And this is when they weren't sure what was wrong with me, but they felt it was very detrimental, I guess. Um, Me passing away, in theory, at sixth grade would have meant I would have died at 11. So, uh, every time I look at that number... Uh, I just kind of count my blessings, and I'm so grateful to be alive doing what I'm doing. And when I think at all the things that I've accomplished since, you know, from the age of 12 on, uh, I used to look at it as like, oh, I'm on borrowed time. Uh, I don't see it that way anymore, but uh, it's always a reminder of to never take anything for Mm -hmm. granted and yeah, just go for everything you want and whatever happens, happens.
1: That's a lot to take on as a nine-year-old kid too, isn't it? Were you part of those conversations? Did did you know at the age of nine that doctors and, and, and your mum and your family were were so worried about your health and the prospect that you might not make it to your, your 11th birthday?
2: I think everybody knew but me. Right. <laughs> um, credit to my mom. Obviously, you would never tell your child that um, yeah. if you don't have to. I found out when I was... In high school um, by accident because a friend of the family, we were having a conversation and they had told me just so nonchalantly as if they thought I knew. Right. And then I'd asked my mom, like, is this true? And yeah, you know, she told me it was. And then after that, it just kind of changed my mentality because your mindset is everything, mm-hmm. you know, and let's say I did hear that at nine. Maybe I wouldn't have been as positive. Um, maybe I would have been more frightened and, you know, whatever you tell your mind, you believe it. So if I think, okay, I'm not going to make it, maybe I wouldn't have. Mm. But uh, sometimes ignorance is bliss, and, um, yeah, I just never took it for granted after that. And I would always kind of worn 11 before, like whenever I had the chance, and it was always a lucky number, but then it really just took on a, bigger and broader meaning to me since I had already liked it before. Yeah. Um, and then... It's meant yeah, to be. Then it was just like, okay, this yeah. is my number. So through
1: your through your teens, you know, before you even find this out, as I understand, and I've seen you speak about this um, previously, um, you were just absolutely committed. It was basketball just... And nothing else really, wasn't it? I mean, school proms, you know, parties with your your friends at the time, you were far less interested in that stuff if it in any way compromised your basketball, right?
2: Absolutely. Um, I didn't go to one high school dance, not a uh, prom, not a ball, uh, not a formal, nothing. Uh, I was actually at an AAU tournament. When prom was happening as a senior Because prom's a huge deal in the States right? Prom is everything I don't yeah. know what the equivalent is out here for well, We have our school balls But I, I think so maybe the, something the prom is something else But prom, yeah. that's top notch yeah. um, But I passed up on that Because I didn't have any scholarships um, at the time And I decided to go to a tournament instead Yeah. And that's just yeah a brief example I guess of where my commitment and my drive was Do you feel like you missed out on anything During those years? I mean, sure, I missed out on things, but it was worth it. Mm. Um, You know, I I got everything that I had been working for. And anytime you have goals in mind, you're going to have to make sacrifices. And only you know the ones that you're willing to make. But um, I was willing to make every sacrifice possible. Mm. And even though I missed out, I don't have any regrets, if that makes sense. Your height, I mean, what are you sort of nudging six foot? Yeah, Um, we can say that.
1: (laughs) On a good day. (laughs) Obviously, basketballers can go much, much taller than you. Was there ever, you know, when you're growing up, you're thinking, God, I hope I have a a massive growth spurt. Or or people telling you, Bryce, you're not going to be tall enough, mate, to play this game at the top
2: level. Um, I heard that before, but it never bothered me because... Growing up we had this guy named Alan Iverson. I sure you've yep. heard of him. Yep. And uh, he was kinda all the hope I needed. You know, I knew he was a small guy, but he played with so much heart. Mm. And um, I was always a person of I just needed to see one person do it. If one person do it does it, then it's possible and I can do it too. Yeah. So Iverson kinda ruled out all that doubt for me. Iverson yeah. Yeah.
0: against Williams again. Iverson again. Allen, for the record, yes. 52 points for Iverson, a record for a 76er in a playoff game.
1: Just one of the many challenges for you to overcome. Yeah. Um, getting towards the end of, of school and, and, and looking to the next phase. Um, I understand it was it was pretty touch and go getting a scholarship. Um, you know, down to a matter of hours. Mm-hmm. How nerve-wracking was that for you? And, and tell us how it played
2: out. <laughs> We'd be here all day if we a rundown. But um, I would say it was it was very nerve-wracking, but more, more frustrating than anything. Because, you know, you see guys who you feel you're just as good as, if mm. not maybe a little bit more skilled, getting scholarships and nobody's even... Given you the time of day, like to even make you think you might have a chance going to this school. And once I had graduated high school, still with no scholarships, um, even got turned down by a Division two school, uh, which really was a blow to my pride. Um, I just, yeah, I wasn't sure what was going to happen. And I remember I was playing pickup one day with my godbrother, and I went to check my phone. We were all having a water break. And this guy, he runs like an Arizona Preps uh, showcase. His name is Anthony Ray. He said, I might have a scholarship for you um, mm. with Providence. And, um, yeah, I guess fast forward a few days. I went out there, and uh, they showed me around the campus and all that, and they asked me, how would you feel um, if, you want, if you wanted to attend Providence College? And I looked at them like they had six heads because, <laughs> you know— I couldn't get recruited by anybody, not even a D2 school. And here it is, a Big E school, which is one of the most prominent colleges, I mean, conferences in bas- college basketball history. And you're asking me, do I want to come here after everything I've had to go through? Of yeah, course. that's a no so it was amazing. Um, I don't know how it happened to this day. Like, I didn't have any typical, I guess, recruitment stage, but I still ended up in the college atmosphere. And, you know, I got my foot in the door, and that was all I could ask for. Yeah. And you really found your feet again there as
1: well. you know your stats just got better and better um, as the years went on. Um, at what point did the the NBA dream really become within within reach for you?
2: Despite everything that I went through I always felt it was within reach just because I studied so many players past and present of yep. their paths to the NBA and not the big names the under the mm. underdogs that you know go to a small school and things of that sort. So I always felt like it was I guess close but after my junior years once I actually ended up on the mock drafts mm. and I was like okay like I'm um, I'm really right here and then going into my senior year it was like a all or nothing thing, but it was a fun ride, and I enjoyed it, and I tried to yeah. make the most of it. Yeah, um, is that dream still alive
1: for you? I mean, I know you've had invitations to go back and and do some stints um, in the NBA, even you know while you've been here in Perth. But is that is that dream still alive for you? NBA.
2: I mean, yeah, like if if I ever like had a guaranteed contract, of course, like I'd go back. But the dream. It's different now. It's more practical. You know, growing up as a kid, Mm. saying, I want to play in the NBA someday is so far-fetched. You know, if you get it, like, you should be proud of yourself. So the goal for me was just to make it. And I never cared whether I played a day, Mm. a year, or ten years. I just wanted to be able to make the NBA and, like, there'd be some truth to that. So now that I had done that, um, going back now and being older, it's more practical about, you know, It's just better for me and my family in the long term because I'm not caught up in the stigma of, oh, I'm playing in the NBA, but I'm Mm. just going to be there for 10 days. Like That doesn't make sense for me to do something like that versus a kid who's in his first or second year out of school. Sure. So, um, I mean, the dream is still there, but in my eyes, the dream was accomplished. So anything that happens after that is a bonus because— I made it and nobody could take it Not that, that we
1: want you to go back. We want you to stay here and keep winning titles <laughs> uh, and all the rest of it with the Wildcats. We're going to take a break. But after that, I want to ask you about uh, going and playing in Turkey as well, because that sounds like mm. it was a hell of an experience yeah, as well. definitely was. Uh, Bryce Cotton is our special guest. This is Inspiring Stories. We'll be back with more right after this.
0: You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Bauer and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Inspiring stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything.
1: Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. My special guest in this episode is Wildcats champion Bryce Cotton. Bryce, um, before you came to the Wildcats, you spent a little time uh, playing in Turkey. Yeah. Tell us about that because, uh, as I understand it, your experiences in, in Turkey in a roundabout way kind of ended up bringing you to Perth, but uh, give us your your take on it.
2: Yeah, uh, it was like my first, obviously it was my first European experience playing professionally. Um, Did you know much about Turkey before you you went there? No, I, I, didn't, I didn't really know too much about uh, yeah anything European, but I would say just the timing of it, it was uh, a very unique experience. Even just keeping it from a basketball standpoint, the two a days every day and it's two very hard practices. You might not have um, a day off in three weeks. Like it was it was a huge adjustment in a basketball, I guess, culture shock to my mind as well as my body. But um, this was around the time when ISIS was going on as well. So there'd be right. little incidents happening here and there. And to give an analogy, we're in Perth, that's like saying something happened In Melbourne, And then something else happens a few weeks later in Alice Springs. And then, you know, every couple weeks it's working its way closer and closer to Perth. And that's, like, what kind of happened in Turkey. And it got closer and closer to Istanbul. And uh, a bomb had gone off in, like, a pretty common area where a lot of people go to eat, like restaurants and all that. And it was followed by gunfire and stuff like that. And that was probably a 20-minute drive from my apartment where it happened. And was this the one in the nightclub, that shooting? Was it in a nightclub? I can't remember if it was a nightclub, but I know something else happened as well. Yep. So yep. there was a couple incidents I went down in Istanbul. But um, when you're already you know, thousands of miles away from home, the last thing you want to be worried about is safety. So um, I just I didn't want to stay there. And yeah. my agent had told me um, basically I had two options. I could go play for a team in Russia or I can go to a team in Perth. And <laughs> two very different options. Very,
1: yeah, how did you very weigh them up what, I mean, what, when you're sort of evaluating each option? Um, how
2: did you weigh those two up? I weighed Russia up as this is a European experience. I'm off that completely. <laughs> and and then he broke down uh, with Perth. He said, you know, they're either last place or second to last on the ladder. And he said they're probably not going to make playoffs, so you'll be there for six weeks max, and then you can have an early offseason and a reset for the next year. Mm-hmm. And I said, "Perfect, sign me up. I'm yeah. going there."
1: And so, what did you, I mean apart from the ladder position? What did you know of Perth? What did you know of the NBL
2: of, of this world that you were about to head to? I knew nothing about Perth, but I knew a little bit about the NBL because when I was playing with Utah. Uh, Dante Exum and Joe Ingles they'd actually told me Mm -hmm. um, that they had a league out there um, and I was even wild that they talked about the seasons like being reversed like Mm -hmm. winter and summer and all that so I didn't think much of it at the time when they were telling me okay that's cool Australia has a league but at the time I didn't know any players that I've played with or against that played out there so I didn't really know about the league too much and didn't think a lot of it but when my agent I guess, put that into my mind. I can just go here for six weeks and then just reset. Because yep. that tur- turkey experience was very, uh, I guess, draining on me mentally. Oh, I was like, all right, cool, I'll, I'll come here. And I never thought I was coming back here at all. I came here, and the six weeks turned into maybe two months. Uh, we won the championship, had the time of my life. Still didn't think I was coming back at the time, but I was like, I'll, I'll come back here for sure for a <laughs> visit or something like that. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I guess once the uh, Summer League had happened that year, things transpired and it was like, okay, looks yeah. like I'm coming back to Peru. Maybe I'll hang here a bit longer. And I was very excited and I've yeah. been coming back ever since. Uh,
1: an incredible debut, I think was at 26 points, a club record uh, on debut you scored. Something um, like that. So you've, you, you found your feet on the on the court in the Wildcats top pretty quickly.
0: Cotton again, it's too easy. A three oh. three triples. Oh. It's cotton, all right. Bryce Cotton just keeps hurting them. Cotton's the twenty-third of the season, that's an NBL record, and there he is. Doing it again.
1: As you reflect on that first game, or just if I don't know if you remember your your thoughts after day one, your first day of competition, what did you what did you think then? You think I could make a go of it here?
2: No, like I I thought of it the whole time as, as just the 6 first 6 weeks and yeah. I'm going to make the most of it. Like that's yeah. my approach anyway with life, but um I never knew this was going to happen. Like mm. even when I was 3 years in, like I knew I loved Perth, but like never just said in my head like okay, I'm playing here and nowhere else, but I loved it so much. So I just yeah, kept coming back, but I'm more of a one one year at a time type of guy.
1: Yeah let's um, talk about your Australian citizenship process, if you you don't mind. Um, I mean, it's amazing that you're uh, wanting to become uh, an Aussie citizen. It would be great to see you play at an Olympics. I'll get to that in a moment as well. But um, what what was it that made you want to get dual citizenship?
2: I mean, one, it's a huge honor for, you know, a country that would – potentially want you to represent them and you're not even from there that's a huge honor from their standpoint and then from mine it just makes sense you know i have a family out here now i've been out here for a few years and anywhere i go with basketball i study the players past and present and i found out there's so many american guys that come out here and never go back to america Mm. and even in my six-week stint you know i understood right away why that happened so uh, i figured you know if so many other guys do it you know there might be a little method to the madness, so I figured that'd be a great opportunity.
1: Yeah, I suppose the path that you took to get here, it is a fairly well-worn path, isn't it? You know, recruits from the States coming to play at the Wildcats and other clubs around the NBL. Were there some of those those people who had done it before that took you under their wing in any way and, and helped you out, helped you to settle here?
2: No, I wouldn't say any of the past guys That's a shame. Took me under the wing. But, you know, I'm I'm more of a private guy anyway. So when yeah. I say I study these guys, like I'm not necessarily talking to them. I probably yeah. know more about them than they think, but um I I'm, I'm a guy that likes to I guess look from afar. Just but, do your research on your own time. You know, but with uh Ricky, I do have his number. I met him at the ball my yep. first year. Yeah. Um and anytime like if I have a question or something like that, and reach out, he hits me back right away, but I would say he's probably the only person I think I've talked to about anything um, in regards to coming from America and living out here. He's probably yeah. the only one I've reached out to. And it's not often, but I know if I ever reach out to Ricky, I can count on it. He's back. Yeah. yeah. So we have Turkey to thank, basically,
1: your Turkey experience 100%. to thank for you being here. Um, 100%. When you had to make the call, all right, we're going to. You know settle down well to some extent settle down here in in Perth and and make a longer term go of it. Mm-hmm. Um was it a pretty easy decision for you to make?
2: Yeah, I'd say it was fairly easy um, yeah. it just seemed like all the stars were kind of aligning, yeah and it just it made sense at the time, and it still makes sense now, so I'm, I'm content with that decision.
1: Yeah. How do you rate the years that you've been here since, you know, again, I don't want to keep going back and repeating it, but you've won the championship three times, mm-hmm. uh, MVP three times, grand final MVP a couple of times. How do you rate your time here? Uh, are you are you still getting better and better?
2: I mean, that's the goal. You always want to get better and better. Uh, I try not to rate it because I'm still playing, mm-hmm. Um but I think the more, I guess the more, I guess notoriety I've gotten, the more I've had to remind myself, like, don't forget that kid that you started out as where nobody wanted you, nobody thought you was good enough. And so I never want to get a big head. And my grands used to tell me, you know, it's nobody's business what other people think of you, whether it's good or bad. So in this instance, you know, a lot of people talk very good about me, but um, for my own sanity, I have to block that out and keep my humble mentality. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Do you stay off social media or do you um, tune into the commentary around you? I mean, as you said, most of it has been extremely positive. Yeah. You know, people are always sort of, you know, showering you with compliments and, 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 and telling whoever that, you know, that you're the the best player in the league. Do, do you try to steer away from that? 'cause it's a distraction,
2: yeah, um, I stay away from that, like I don't have Twitter or anything like that, but um the first probably two two or three years, uh, I was able to tune in because there were still there were still remarks that would kind of you know get me going or add more fuel to the fire I already yeah. had, but um now I just feel like I don't even need to worry about that whether they're saying good or bad, like mm. I just gotta keep my motor ticking from within,
1: yeah let your uh, moves on the court do the talking yeah exactly All right, we'll get uh, into more of your uh, Wildcats adventures uh, and also uh, the Olympics that unfortunately didn't quite happen right after we take a break this is Inspiring Stories Bryce Cotton is our special guest back with more in a moment
0: you're listening to Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything.
1: Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. Tim McMillan is my name. My special guest is Bryce Cotton. Um, Bryce, I've mentioned you uh, are in the process of attaining Australian citizenship. We would have loved to have had that signed and sealed in time for the Olympics. Um, What would it have meant to you to be able to pull on the boomer's singlet and go to
2: Tokyo? Yeah, I mean, it would have been a huge honor because, uh, yeah. again, taking it back to when I first came out here, I thought this was only going to be a six-week six yeah. week stint, and to think that I could, you know, potentially represent this country, it's it's mind-blowing still, but um, even though I missed out on that opportunity, um, you never know what the future holds. Yeah. Well, you what, 28? So, 29 29 in August, yeah.
1: 29. So, you know, you'll still be there. I mean, at least the break isn't so long between... Tokyo and the next one. So hopefully.
2: Exactly. You, you hopefully never know.
1: Hopefully I have the citizenship by The then, bureaucrats in Canberra <laughs> be able to find a way to,
2: you know, get through the paperwork and, and get it done. Yeah, yeah. That, would, that would be good. It'd be a true honor. Again, like I said, out of all the different things that I've been fortunate to accomplish basketball-wise, you know, mm. adding, you know, Olympian on the resume, that might be probably top of the list. Icing on the cake. Mm-hmm. Do you still love the game?
1: in the same way that you did, you know, as a little kid just going out to that court across the road from uh, your grandmother's house. Do you still love basketball in the same way? Does it still give you that same kind of childlike buzz to, you know, to nail a a, a long-range bomb or, you know, just pull off a move? Does it does it still give you that same thrill?
2: Uh, yeah. It's like yes and no. Like the game kind of changes the older you get. You know, you realize... The, I guess basketball is such a business, especially once you get to college. That's your first kind of sneak peek of how sports can change and then playing professionally. I still love it, of course, but it's it's a different type of love. But um, it's not in a bad way, if that makes sense. But yeah. I'm still still in love with the game, and I felt like if I ever just kind of burnt out, then I would just stop playing. Yeah. uh, I don't have those feelings at all.
1: Do you ever wonder, you know, if that college scholarship hadn't have come through, you know, just in the nick of time, Mm -hmm. and and for whatever reason, your kind of basketball ambition had to collapse, what would you have done?
2: I don't know. I I, I honestly don't know because I wouldn't have. There was no plan B. No, there was no plan B. Um, And I kind of pride myself on that. But... I wouldn't have been able to afford college either, so I really have no idea what I would have done. So that's also why I stay humble, and I try to make this ride last as long as possible because I know how blessed and fortunate I was to get that lucky break. Mm. So... Um, I got to make it go for as long as I can. We
1: know that the borders are coming down now in, in February, the 5th of February for for mm-hmm. WA. Um, you haven't been able to see members of your own family now for, for some time. Mm-hmm. Um, are you able to take advantage of that? Are you going over to the States and seeing your family or, or any of them coming here?
2: Yeah, I sure hope so. Um, I, I hope it's going to be a combination of both, of maybe getting at least one or two family members out here maybe before the season actually ends and then obviously when our season is done um, I'm probably going to have to bite the bullet and head out there mm-hmm. finally because it'll be three years by the time this season's done so it's long overdue and that's the longest I've gone without seeing my family in my yeah. life
1: What does your mum think of you plying your
2: trade all the way over on the other side of the world in Perth? Um, I mean she, she supports it, she loves it and when she came out here for the first time uh, a couple of years ago she was so blown away by just, I guess, the admiration I have out here. And it was a good peace of mind for her to know, like, OK, her son's on the mm. other side of the world, but he's doing OK. He's fine. And, yeah. Um, yeah. So <laughs> I'm, I'm glad she was able to see that because I know what she thought of Australia versus what she experienced was two different things. Yeah. In the same way, what I thought of Australia versus when I got here was two different things.
1: Yeah. In what way? Uh, obviously, you form a picture in your mind, mm. you know, from searching online or hearing other people talk about it. Uh, how was it different, though? What were the sort of the, the the stark differences that you observed when you got here?
2: As ignorant as it sounds, if you've seen Kangaroo Jack, that's my idea <laughs> yeah. of Australia. The proper research you've done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But once I got here, I was like, oh, this is just like America. And I, I kept telling my mom that. I was like, I don't know what you think about it, but... I was like, trust me, it's just like America. When you come out here, you'll love it. And she was listening to me, but she wasn't hearing me. But when she came out here, she finally realized. Yeah. Um, I know you're a proud dad. Mm -hmm. Um, What else occupies
1: your time outside of basketball?
2: That's it, honestly. Just a family guy and hoops. That's about it. It's all my life consists so, <laughs> of. Keep keeping it simple. Keep it simple. I enjoy it, though. You know, um, having a family, that was a nice addition. Because before that, it was just hoops, hoops, hoops. So now it's hoops, 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 family. Yeah. So I can't complain about that. You've got a clothing label
1: as well, though, on the
2: go? Um, I mean, not really. So it's it's so funny Like when people ask about that during the quarantine times. Yeah. Uh, as I call it, when COVID first happened, uh, I just kind of wanted to do something different, because I used to love working out in college with shirts that had slogans and stuff mm-hmm. like that that resonated with me about hard work or something like that. And I just, you know, for fun, I just wanted to come out with a shirt and just uh, yeah, just kind of see what happened. It was something I had no real plans with. Um, but yeah, some things eventuated. I ended up doing a collab with Foot Locker as well, and it was uh, something that's not too bad for something that I just wanted to do for fun and see what happened.
1: Yeah. But yeah. So maybe that will occupy more of your time when you do
2: finally have to step off the court in yeah, maybe, a professional but... <laughs> capacity, at least, anyway. Yeah, but yeah, for right now, the focus is back to hoops, but that was definitely a great, um, I guess, a great adventure to yeah. embark on. But yeah, it's back to just hoops now. Keep it simple.
1: Speaking of the quarantine time, we we felt like we lost you there for a little while. You know, you had to, unfortunately, you know, step away from the Wildcats' fault. I mean, the whole league kind of, you know, went into freeze mode. Um, We were a bit sad to to lose you there. Were you sad to go? (laughs)
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I really was. I, Like I said, when I had put that heartfelt message out there, I meant everything I said. I didn't think I was coming back. But um, when you kind of look at things, I guess, in the present or what's going on right now instead of, the bigger picture of everything. Um, I guess those two days were a huge blessing for me because then I was able to look at, even though whatever's gonna happen in this coming season may not be ideal, what's the best thing overall for my family, especially um, having a newborn at that time? What's the best thing in the bigger picture? And once I looked at it from that scheme uh, or that standpoint, uh, I felt like, okay, you know, sometimes you gotta bite the bullet. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I decided to come back and. Uh, again, I feel I made the right decision, and I'm glad um, that was able to happen.
1: Can you see yourself staying here post your Wildcats career?
2: You never know. And I think with, with everything I've experienced uh, professionally, and even from a life standpoint, I don't rule anything out. Never yeah. say never. Um, but I'm definitely not opposed to it at yeah. all, that's for sure. Yeah. Do you miss Tucson? Absolutely. Obviously
1: the people there that you grew up with and, you know, you, the
2: family that you love, but do you miss the place? 100%. I yep. miss it. Um, you know, like I said, it's that small little town, a small little city, um, and just coming from a place that not a lot of people know about, and to experience the things I've experienced, which isn't normal coming from that city, um, I love it to death. So, yep. uh, some people are patriotic for a country. I'm patriotic for Tucson. Yep. Yeah.
1: For you to achieve then in your your basketball career, what would you be happy to to finish up with? Olympics, you mentioned, is uh, obviously still a few years away, but what else would you like to achieve during your time on the court?
2: Um, I mean, obviously, every year you play to be the last team standing, so that's always the goal. Um, And then anything from there is just a bonus, but it'd be hard for me to put a limit on what I want to achieve because if I let's say I achieve it too quickly, it's like, okay, then what? So mm. it's just more so give it everything you got every year and trust that good results are going to happen. So, yep. uh, yeah, I don't, I don't want to cap it. Well, we don't want to cap you either. So <laughs> hopefully you can continue bringing a
1: massive success uh, to the club for however long you are here. Uh, thank you so much for coming in and sharing your story. All the best with the season ahead. and well, it'll be a special moment for you when you finally get to uh, embrace your mum, uh, whenever that may be as well. Drag her out here. Yeah, that's the plan. But no, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. You've been listening to Inspiring Stories here on 882 6PR in this episode with the one and only Bryce Cotton. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. We look forward to you joining us next time as we unearth another inspiring story.
0: You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Want to witness the world's biggest football
1: game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi-finals. all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.